With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. E-S-N-Y. is not coming through it's not much to look at i haven't gotten a haircut but feels like seven years um, oh yeah hon i can tell <laughs> <laughs> now luckily luckily uh since i don't have to go to an office now i can just never not be wearing a hat i can wear a hat literally forever it's the best it's my dream that's, really that's the way to go good for you i'm so happy for you then absolutely all right you Weird know it's we- funny I went on, I usually go on Google and I type in like New York Yankees just to make sure I didn't miss any news. And I didn't. Ooh. See, I usually do that with MLB.com and I went on and now they're all just doing like throwback stuff. And it's like, okay, well, there is literally next to no baseball news going on this week. There is one thing of baseball news that we're going to talk about. I mean, rightfully so. There are a lot more important things going on in the world right now than talking about baseball. It's not even being played. Correct. But, you know, we don't we don't have to discuss that on the podcast that we do our jobs for. I think our Twitter feeds have made our thoughts very clear on that. And if you found this podcast, you definitely found us on Twitter. This is true. I mean, where else did you find us? We're not on um, Yankees Facebook because we all know that's trash. Oh, Facebook Bob, get the fuck out of here. Hot takes coming in at like two minutes already. But <laughs> Yankees Facebook is trash. You, you know that if you listen to the podcast, like totally. But yeah, um, yeah, there's a lot going on. And, you know, we obviously baseball is something that's very important to us, but there are things that are far more important that are happening at the moment. So they kind of take center stage. Okay. So in the absence of baseball, I have one thing I want to say to the people of the baseball people. Oh, okay. The baseball people. (laughs) I am so proud of us. So proud. I'm not really glad about the way that we got where we are now, but I'm glad we got there. The people are finally siding against the owners. Finally. (laughs) I don't love how we got there, but I love where we are. You know, I'm one of those people as well. I honestly, in all the years that I followed this sport, I was always so focused on the players and the coaches and, you know, everything like that. And now I'm not a fan of the owners and I never really, I never really thought about it that way. So, yeah, I'm one of them. Yeah, it's the players are finally winning the PR battle. The easily swayable people are now on the players' side because the players said, we want 114 games now that you've agreed to pay us our prorated rates. And now the owners are saying, we only want 50 games. Who's on the good side of that PR battle? 
Well, also, what's the point of playing 50 games? It's not what a lot. The, what it's is the not point? A lot. That's two months. Essentially, it's two months. The Washington Nationals would have been at the bottom of the NL East, besides the Marlins. The Marlins are trash. But they would have been fourth in the NL East last year at that. Like, come on. It's just not enough. And it's it's taken this for people to finally realize the owners don't give a fuck. A singular fuck if baseball is played this year. They don't care because they're going to lose money for each game that's played, which is why they only want to play 50 games. So the players said, okay, well, here's our plan. Pay our prorated salaries. We'll play 114 of those motherfuckers for you. And owners, oh, no, no, whoa, 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 hold on a second here. Too much, too much. (laughs) No, no, no. I think that's almost a whole season. (laughs) Yeah, I mean... Yeah, honestly, if you think about it, what, 114 games? I, I liked that. I really did oh, like that idea. You know, and it was, like, through October 31st. I'm like, that could work. That could be a thing. You don't have fans in the stands. You get this. You get baseball at some capacity. People are getting paid for doing their jobs. And, yeah, no, apparently the owners just, you know, decided to cut that down by, once again, not a math podcast, but definitely over 50%. I'm going to pretend it's like 63%. That's my guess. But I Yeah, they they have a bottom line number that they're trying to get to and they said, "Well, if we're going to play or if we're going to pay the players their full prorated salary, then we're going to have to play like almost no games." And it was originally what was it originally? Like 82 games on the sliding scale. Yeah, so the players like, "Cool, pay us. We'll we'll agree to 82 games, pay us." And then they said, whoa, hold on, hold on a second, hold on. That's that's too much money. We can't allow that. We can't have that right now. Right. It's definitely I'm no, proud 63%, of the people. but I tried. <laughs> I'm, I'm, just, I'm just proud of the people for, for finally getting to this point where you realize that the owners are the ones that are holding the game hostage right now. Yep, you're right. And I, like I said, I'm one of those people. I never really thought about it, so... You know what? Kudos. Thank you, everyone who, um, you know, slid into my DMs politely and, you know, voiced their opinions on on what's going on and the owners and the difference and everything like that. Like, I really do appreciate that. And I love talking baseball with people, even though there's no baseball to talk about. But what are you going to do? Can't change it. No, we're almost there. And even further, the players are willing to give uh, a few more concessions to the owners in the form of expanded playoffs this year and next year, which is something that the owners have wanted for a long time. Cause where does the most revenue come from? It's playoff games. Mm-hmm. Um, they're willing to be mic'd up more often. I don't know if that's going to go into effect for regular season games. I'm not in love with the idea of miking up players during regular season games. I mean, I would enjoy the hell out of it, but there's something about a game that has meaning where like, I kind of just want Aaron judge focusing out there in right field. Like I know there's a lot of downtime, but like maybe let's just, let's not stripe a mic pack on him and just have him play the outfield for the Yankees. Kind of an important person. Right? No, I definitely agree. And you know, as, as we have this image of Aaron judge, like this beautiful, perfect image of just like the most amazing human being to ever play the sport of baseball too much, but no, no, I'm um, fine with it. I'm sure he swears. <laughs> like I'm sure he's gonna say 
sit there and swear in the outfield. And then, you know, you're ruined. You're like shattering that um, that illusion of Aaron Judge. So, yeah, if he's going to focus and that means he has to swear, go do it. I'm fine with it. Fine. Totally fine. And that's a fun thing to do. And yeah, it's a fun thing to do in spring training. I would take it. No, it's it's fine for spring training. It's fine for the all star game. It's whatever. Like, that's just good fun uh, to get people to care about a spring training game. Most people we're lunatics. We're actual psychopaths about baseball. But to get people to care about a spring training game, there's got to be some kind of draw, maybe a young prospect coming up or like we saw a couple years ago, miking up Mookie Betts. Mm -hmm. It just provides maybe the funniest clip of the entire year just going after a double. And that was great. But in a real game, do you really want Mookie Betts like talking to the announcers while he's running down after a double? Like it's just it just doesn't make that much sense. It um, doesn't. No, you're you're absolutely right. It's uh yeah. I think it'd be fine in the regular season, the postseason. That's that's where it all comes down. It all comes down yeah. to that. That's the when we're gonna want to hear their thoughts the most. Right, exactly. I guess you're right. But <laughs> oh man. Yeah, it's uh but really in terms of you know, the players and stuff, the players have been stepping up. And I think I'm not sure if we talked about this last week or not, but, um, you know, I did see the Nationals were basically going to be supplementing some of their income to pay for some of the minor leaguers. And I was like, that is awesome, but it shouldn't have to fucking happen. Like, no, it should not be like that. That should not be a thing. They should not have to. It, although, yes, I understand they make a ton of money. These major league players, most of them. Um, and they can afford to do that, but it shouldn't be them doing it. No, and I think even going further, uh, I am a little bit disappointed in the Yankees this week after, what was it, 45 minor league players they released? And Newman did the math on it. I don't remember what the, the grand total came out to. How much money are you actually saving by releasing these players? I don't think it was over a million dollars. And I got people are going to say, oh, well, they, they probably weren't going to make it to the majors anyway. But like, I mean, yeah, these but, are people who have a job. <laughs> Their well, job is to play baseball. We're literally to in order to play baseball, even just the minor leagues, you have to sacrifice your entire life. You have to be away from your family. You have to be away from your loved ones. So if you have a spouse or children, you're gone. Um, you've got to live in a funeral home or, you know, something like that. You essentially have given up everything to focus on this one thing and just to have that stripped away has to be so devastating i don't think enough people realize that you know the tolls that come with the minor league system i don't know personally but you've seen it enough to know and like reading those articles about where they're living how much they're earning you know it's they sacrifice their entire life in order to play this sport and then just to be cut and possibly never have a chance again to to try or, you know, in their prime at the moment and really not having that opportunity next season either. It sucks. Yeah. And I mean, where, where are they going to go? Where do they have marketable job skills? Are there even jobs out there for them? Most people are unemployed right now because of the coronavirus. Like, it's not like they can just stop playing baseball. They planned this whole summer. They were going to be part of a baseball team. They were going to be getting a weekly stipend. Maybe a few guys would get cut along the way. But let's be honest. If you're a guy who's going to get cut from the minor leagues, the writing is probably already on the wall. You have probably already thought ahead to think, yeah, like, 
I'm just not hacking it here right now. I might need to think about a backup plan. I might need to look a few months into the future and say, if baseball isn't working out for me, I need to know what I'm going to do next. No, these guys didn't even have a chance to play this year. They were just all of a sudden, they're just minor league baseball players. And then out of nowhere, they're unemployed. Right. That's, it's just crazy to think about. There's like, I've, been telling my parents there's so many different layers to all this it's not as simple as just being like yup we can get people safely back on the field it's about the money it's about the players it's about the players safety it's about the people that are working in the stadiums it's about everything um so many different factors and it's uh here we go again we're just you know (laughs) for talking about how much this sucks but we are a baseball podcast and that's baseball my friends yeah, we've been talking about how much this sucks for two months. Like, this is the worst two months ever. I agree. I agree. Absolutely. And, like, I haven't even come up with any new TikToks. So, like, I got to work on that. Yes, that's what we need right now. More Yankees TikToks. We need that baseball content. Just give it to me. Uh, 2020, what are you, like, what is 2020 going to throw at us next? I, I Literally nothing would surprise me at this point. I know, honestly, I don't even want to guess because it's probably going to happen anyway. Like, I swear someone up there is listening to us and be like, oh, can you imagine murder hornets, like, you know, coming in? That was bullshit. I hate bees so much already. And then we're in the middle of this global pandemic. And it's just like, oh, yeah, by the way, when June starts, there's going to be an insect called a murder hornet flying around New York. So definitely, you know, watch out for those. Like, what the fuck is going on? (laughs) so i'm anticipating july is going to be more so i'm i'm putting this out there i don't mean to i do actually because i'm saying it right now but july is going to be those freaking landmines surrounding stores which is gonna suck and then poison berries in the month of august and september we're gonna survival of the fittest here this is what's gonna happen essentially i'm just following the plot of the hunger games but that's what we're doing anyway. This, Yeah, this literally is the Hunger Games, but we're not asking for volunteers to go be a part of it. It's just like, yeah, like this is just going to happen to all of you. It's fine. Uh, yeah, it's tough. It's tough. Hey, well, listen, we had a great um, baseball related thing that happened last week on Friday. Um, they released the E60 episode of Roy Halliday story uh, called Imperfect, which was phenomenal, heartbreaking, just all the emotions in one hour. I watched it twice. It was absolutely an incredible story, but also at the same time, like, just really goes to show. And we, we texted about this, too, the mental health of players and just, you know, just how he was maybe 10 years before his time. And he could have gotten some real help. Yeah. And it's just, I I can already tell this is going to be like wall to wall, the most serious podcast we've ever done. Mm -hmm. Thinking about Roy holiday and thinking about the way they view baseball players. Now they have, I mean, they have team psychologists and it's not really like there's no stigma around going to the team psychologist. They have people work with you every single day to say, this is how we get you in the right headspace to be doing what you're doing. As far as prescription drugs go, you see that especially pitchers, pitchers even more than position players, but the things that pitchers do to their body 
and then have to recover from and then do again every five days. It's just, it's inhumane. And for the longest time, marijuana was banned by MLB and they didn't test for it per se, but it was still banned. And that's something that a lot of players have opened up and said, yeah, this is something that I use to help my body recover because the alternative is just getting loaded up with prescription drugs that are way more dangerous. And you saw it in the Roy Holiday doc where this guy, he hurt his back and all of a sudden he has to go on painkillers so he can go out there and do his job. And then he's at the point after his career where he has to now go to rehab because he had to take painkillers at such a rate during his career that he was addicted and his mental health was terrible. And he just the one of the best pitchers that the game has ever seen. And that's what he was going through on a weekly basis. Right. It's absolutely astounding. And honestly, I, I applaud ESPN for, for sharing that story. And I applaud, you know, his wife and everyone for being a part of it and sharing really what was going on. It was just, I had no clue and nobody did. All they saw was Roy Halladay, the pitcher. They saw the guy that was absolutely incredible coming out every five days, future hall of fame. Well, he is a hall of famer, but you know, at the time, a future hall of famer putting up incredible numbers but the toll that it took on him physically, mentally, emotionally, is that even worth it? And wow, just wow. The whole thing was incredible. Yeah, I mean, there's there's really nothing more we can say about it, that it was just an absolutely fantastic documentary. Uh, that's the one thing that I'll always say ESPN actually does really well. They make fantastic documentaries, and this was right in line with them. Absolutely. No. Um, so if you haven't watched it, definitely try and watch it. I think it's on demand now. Um, I watched it on like a replay. It was um, on later that first night and then it was on on like a Sunday. So I watched it at like 10 a.m. But um, yeah, so I mean, that that was a pretty incredible story. Also heartbreaking, heart wrenching, just all around all the emotions. So great job, ESPN. Um, at least you're uh, your E60 documentaries are good, but your interviews, you know, we got to work on those. Yeah, our offer to teach ESPN how to do virtual interviews still stands. If anybody at ESPN wants to learn how to do them, we got it. We're good. We're ready to go. Listen, no one reached out to me, so very sad. Uh, that's, I mean, that's their own fault. People, people hate watching ESPN interviews, so. It's okay it's to ask for help sometimes, though, you know. Yeah, learn from people who came up in the virtual interview landscape. Like, this is all we've known. We've never known an in-person interview. All we know is Skype. That's true, yeah. We were built for this. <laughs> we were born to do this. But seriously. Um, so, you know, kind of going back into some sort of baseball news and things like that. You know, I'm just basically, I don't know what else to talk about. However... I do want to talk about this. So I saw this picture um, from our good buddy Justin Diamond on Twitter um, watching Korean baseball game. Uh, and I can't pronounce the team names. I'm very sorry. And I don't want to embarrass myself, so I'm not going to do it. However, he did post a um, picture of, you know, the game going on. And in the background, in the seats, they are filled with stuffed animals, like filled. Oh, yeah. 
not just, you know, six feet apart because they're stuffed animals, but all of the stuffed animals, all of them. It is funny. I laughed so hard. <laughs> yeah, no, they, they are doing a really good job putting the KBO on like, like it's on a pedestal right now. It's the only real baseball going on. I think the Chinese league is still going on, but they don't show those games on ESPN. So everybody's watching the KBO and they're just like, okay, cool. Let's just show you how fucking fun this league is. Like this is at the end of the day, this is still a game. This is supposed to be a fun experience for everyone. I saw one of the games I watched, they had a cardboard cutout of Shiambi right behind the right behind home plate. So just the entire game, they were just cutting back to the to the cutout, and it's just, I mean, they're just having a great time. Right. Exactly. Oh, absolutely. No, that was uh, that was something I saw this week, and I was like, oh, yep, I got to share that because it's pretty friggin' hilarious. And they bat flip everything like it's it's my dream league. They'll they'll pimp a single. They don't even care, and it's not even like one of those MLB singles where Acuna hits it like. 360 feet and the wall is 364 feet away and he's just like oh like that one bounced off the top of the wall but i was pimping it so i'm at first now no these are like they'll hit a line drive up the middle and they'll be like yes let's go bat flip (laughs) or like a dribbler up the middle they're like oh yeah oh absolutely this is this is it yeah bat flip time i'm gonna leg this one out but absolutely pimping the shit out of it (laughs) So is it the Korean baseball league that does the the bunting challenge? Do you remember Ooh. the bunting? I'm trying to remember know. if that I don't was know them. if that's the Yeah, I don't know if it's the Korean league or the Japanese league. Okay. I was going to say if it's the Korean league, they could definitely host like a bat flip competition. I would love to see that. Just, you know, batting practice and then having them do their absolute best bat flip or performance like before they're running to first base. I think that would be awesome. And that is what we all need right now. You know what they should do is when they have the uh, the home run derby, they should just have like a whole stack of bats. And every single time you hit a home run, you flip that bat. And then you got to grab another one really quick before the next pitch comes. And then every single time you hit a home run, you're doing a bat flip. Even better. I mean, hey, that might pump some more guys up too, you know, because it's pretty exciting. Yeah. And listen... Bat flipping can count in the score. It's a real part of the game. Yeah. No, it is. It's it's a huge part of the game right now because that's a that's a celebration. I mean, I just it just brings me back to even the World Series from last year, which feels like ages ago. Oh yeah, that but, was that was no less than twelve years ago. Uh, but the um the Alex Bregman home run and he carries the bat to first base. And then I almost said Luis Soho. It is not Luis Soho. Juan Soto. Uh, <laughs> two very similar people, right? That's a joke. No. no. Anyway. Um, <laughs> um, but uh, Juan Soto just like running to first base and just imitating him just uh, just gives me life. Because yeah, I mean, we all I, still hate the Houston Astros. Yeah, that was the most exciting part of the entire season. Like there was mm-hmm. maybe the Tim Anderson bat flip and the fallout from that maybe it's the yasiel puig fight club um but i just on the stage of the world series and you hit a home run and you're like yeah that bat flip that asshole did before i'm gonna copy the shit out of it right now let's see who's actually gonna win this game better yeah way better just gonna do it better oh my god that was incredible i gotta watch that game that went to seven seven games right yes 
Yeah, I gotta watch that game again. That was pretty sweet. Oh god, that's just that's like I just miss baseball. That's what I miss about baseball. It's like you can just you can watch a baseball game where nothing all that interesting happens, uh, mm-hmm. but those like little moments where it's just it's five seconds of you hit a home run and then you bring the entire crowd up to their feet by imitating someone else's bat flip. And it's like, do you know how much confidence you have to have in yourself? A confidence and self-awareness to be like, yeah, like I know I hit this one out of here and I'm going to call back the bat flip that he did earlier. and I'm going to do the exact same thing. Like if I like any time I ever hit a home run, little league, men's league, whatever, I had no idea it was over the fence. No idea. Oh, yeah. And I no, was just I was sprinting around off. the bases. Yeah. Right. I was like, I don't I don't know. What am I? What? Who am I to know? Like I would never have the self awareness to to rip on somebody else with a bat flip. Like if somebody bat flipped on us and then I had a home run, it would never cross my mind to then bat flip the exact same way, and just have the self awareness and confidence that I hit it out. Right. No, I've uh, I've hit one home run in my life, and I'm pretty sure it was a triple with an error. But I'm gonna call it a home run, so we'll go with that. Well, you know what we had really- growing up. Our, our home little league field was one of those fields that doesn't have like any, any fences or stuff. So yeah. Yeah. And we had, um, my team was, it was me and my best friend. We played for the travel team in the town. And it was also our two little brothers who played for their ages travel team. So we were like a little bit overall a step above the rest of the league because our parents were the coaches so we got to all play together when that was not fair in any way shape or form but Mm -hmm. we would hit like a line drive grounder maybe it bounces in the infield and it just goes forever (laughs) and you just run around the bases they're 60 feet away and it's like yeah that was probably actually like a shitty hit but it just took so long to get the ball we just kept going No, that's uh, I've definitely seen that happen. And like during our high school years at the time, we didn't have a fence. So we were playing in this, you know, it was a it was a nice field. But the problem was without a fence, the ball would go forever. But the other thing is, if we knew someone was going to hit a far fly ball, that would probably have been a home run in a regular field. We're like, hey, let me just stand an extra like 70 feet away from where I usually stand. And guess what? it's an out it's not a home run it's an out or it's a or it's a bloop single and you're like oh i gotta sprint all the way back in now i'm like i'm this is we're playing on a 12u team and i'm standing 300 feet away from home plate like this is not ideal (laughs) yeah we definitely played that to our advantage too because we were like we know this person is hits home runs all the time so we're just gonna stand way back here where like it would be maybe about 20 feet over the fence but here not a chance no, we also we had the best home field advantage too. I know you remember Jabba Chamberlain and the Nats. Well, our our of home course. field, yeah, our home field was right next to uh, the Bay in Bayville. So we would we just grew up practicing playing morning games like it was Nats all the time. We grew accustomed to it, and nobody else was ready. Everybody else looked like Jabba Chamberlain trying to deal with the Nats in Cleveland. And we were just like, I don't know. They're in my mouth already. It's just whatever. Like I've, I'm, I've been here for seven years. I know what to expect. We get it. They're annoying, but you're just used to it. Absolutely. Yeah. No, I'm going to hit my grounder stuff. down the line and take my home run. <laughs> 
Yeah, exactly. You hit a you hit a decent line drive that would be a single in any other field. It's a triple. It's a homer. You know, it's you know, it's going forever. Right, exactly. There's there's no way to stop that. Um, I'm trying to think of if there's anything else like baseball wise. Let's see. Let's see what we can find. Do 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 do. Twitter, most, honestly, most of the baseball this week is activism. That's very true. Um, and I totally understand that as well. Um, yeah, a lot of players sharing personal stories, which is, you know, incredible to hear. And um, I really do. It, it's. I feel like this offseason has been nice because we really have gotten to know players a lot better than usual. I feel like everyone is more active on social media, whether it be, um, you know, supporting different movements or, you know, the whole money thing, like a lot of people are reaching out and really kind of showing just what great people they are. And they're not just players, they're people too. Yeah, that's something that baseball has always been missing until the last <laughs> few years where you look back at like the Derek Jeter era and all you say is, oh, a great team win. We did it as a team. We win as a team. We lose as a team, whatever. Like, mm -hmm. yeah, those are great PR quotes. But now you're kind of getting into the age where Blake Snell is on a Twitch stream playing MLB The Show and he gets some news on his phone and then he just rips off immediately. Like you get that live reaction and you get to see who this player is like on a very deep level. Like when he gets news that he doesn't like, how does he immediately react? Right. Which is just, it's interesting. Well, honestly, it, it creates more of a less of a disparity between major league players and regular kids like, you know, the ones that are up, up playing video games with their friends and stuff like that. Like, can you imagine? Like, I don't know how this works. I'm I'm not a video game person, but Twitch is like a, a streaming thing. So you can like stream your games. Is this correct? Yes. OK. Like Zoom, is it possible to have people just like join in? Um, I have no idea because like you, I am not that familiar with okay. Twitch. Everything I know about Twitch, I learned from watching Tommy Canely on the Players League. Right, exactly. Um, Me too. Yeah, but I do know that after he finishes Player League games, he would like he could bring Brit into the chat and like you could hear Brit. You couldn't see what he was doing. You couldn't see him. You couldn't see his character okay. in whatever game they were playing. But like you could hear him chatting it up with Brit Talkman uh Aaron Judge once like you can hear everybody talking to each other which is awesome because you also get to see how the players interact with each other off the mm -hmm. field and once again Zach Britton probably the funniest guy there and nobody knows nobody nobody knew until this spring who knew exactly nobody that's the point I mean I, the Yankees knew. had to know too because that was like was that their first video that they did they were like, we're going to do this video series where we kind of just, you know, we mic up a player and just follow him around. And everyone in the room was like, yep, Britt, that's first. First, yep. for sure. No, was, we know that's Zach the guy. Britton. Zach Britton, then Tyler Wade, and then, um, of course, you know, Tommy, Tommy. Tommy. Had to. Had to. <laughs> I actually, I, I want to see if Britt had a full video. I know Tommy Canely had a full one that they didn't show on Twitter. I need to see if Britt had a full one, too. I think he might have. Um but honestly, some of his best lines definitely came from the shortened video. No, and it was all on Tommy, too. I think my favorite one, because like we're just going to go back to this anyway. My all-time 
favorite quote from Zach Britton's video is when he's running and he makes a comment to Masahiro Tanaka that his hair didn't move. <laughs> and he's like, move? And he goes, yeah, man, it didn't move at all. And he goes, oh, ha And then... <laughs> Uh, that would be Tanaka. awesome to mic up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just like one word answers, you know, it's fine. But no, he's yeah, he's pretty adorable. Like that's how I would describe Masahiro Tanaka. Like he's a fierce competitor on the field, but like when you interview him or when you like see him around other players, he is cute. Like adorable. I think my favorite has to be the Tyler Wade one when Brett Gardner ripped his ripped his shirt. <laughs> And it was it was so funny because it was so obvious that Tyler Wade was actually upset about it. It was like, oh man, like what, like what the fuck, man? Oh, I can't believe that. And you just know behind closed doors, he's like, Brett, I swear to God, if you ever do that to me again while I'm mic'd up, I'm gonna murder you. I gotta tell you though, Brett Gardner just knows, like he knows exactly how to push everyone's buttons because he's the prankster, right? You know, so I guarantee you that he was planning that all along, and he's like, I just want to see how he's gonna react, and he saved this moment for when he knew he was gonna be mic'd up, and he was just like, all right, it's go time, and the reaction was prime. Unbelievable! I miss those videos. I miss spring training. Can't believe I miss spring training. Like have their videos of them in like real life. I don't know. I mean, they're just not taking them. That's ridiculous. But you I know, did what I was thinking about the other day. Yeah. Wow. We would be right now. We'd be at the point of the season where the only people who are still like really paying attention are like our people. Also, psychopaths from Yankees Twitter. The only people still paying attention. That's my favorite time. You're absolutely right. This is where we kind of weed out the people that are cash fans with the ones that are like low-key psychopathic fans. Yeah, it's fantastic. Low-key, really high-key, but you know, maybe they're hiding it. Not really sure. Super high-key. there, And then, then the people come around back for the trade deadline, haven't been watching for two months and oh, you should trade Glaber Torres for Matthew Boyd. I'm never going to get over that. It's the wait, most wait ridiculous thing I've ever seen. You want to you want to recall something and laugh a little bit? Yes. Okay. Do you remember when Jessica Mendoza, one of our all time faves, um, hate Jessica Mendoza? <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, one of our all time faves suggested that the Yankees trade Glaber Torres for Chris Archer. I remember it now because everyone brought it back up again. <laughs> <laughs> Correct. Now I remember it more, and I'm like, what? What? Even at the time, that was a ridiculous trade. Gleyber Torres was a top five prospect in all of baseball, and Chris Archer has never actually been that good. Like, he had a couple good years with the Rays, but it's always been like, this guy has lights out stuff. He just can't throw it for shit. Right. Well, I will tell you this. Um, basically, Chris Archer is now um, undergoing surgery. Yeah, well, we dodged a bullet on that one. So, you know what? I mean, obviously, Glaber Torres did at some point. He had he had Tommy John, right? Yeah, he was still in AAA when that happened, though. Yeah, he was in AAA, but we were worried it was going to stunt his growth. And then, you know, lo and behold, he just happens to be Glaber Torres. Yeah, Gary Thorne wishes. <laughs> Gary Thorne! I watched on, uh, I think it, it must have been cut by MLB. Um, on Instagram, they posted uh, a video of the best reactions from Gary Thorne 
to Glaber Torres. Just It's all of them. The answer is all of them. Pure poetry. I mean, my God, that man hates Glaber Torres. And he... Do you remember when Paul O'Neill went over and was like, Can I give you a hug? Yeah. No, he didn't like that. Hey, hey, get out of here, Paul. <laughs> Well, the other thing, too, and I know they were talking about this last year, is, like, I would love to see more former players in the booth, even just as, like, a guest spot. Like, I know we obviously talked about CC Sabathia and stuff like that, but, you know, other former players, because having, like, Paul O'Neill and Flash, like, I just love having them in the booth. David Cohn, all-time fave. Like, it's just fun to be able to have these old players there. But, yeah, no, Gary Thorne, um, I respect the man. Because he makes me laugh. No, I'm I'm all for that. Having more ex players in the booth and just having like interesting people just drop by because that like that breaks up the monotony of like say like a pitcher's duel, a zero zero <laughs> pitcher's duel going into the seventh inning. Like most people probably don't actually care for that. Uh, I'm a psychopath. I'm obsessed with pitch sequencing, so that's like my dream. You're a psychopath. So you're like, yeah, let's go, let's do this. Thank you for recognizing me as that kind of psychopath. <laughs> yup, yes, let's no. go, let's do this. <laughs> You're one of these psychopaths. Um, but like the average person would be like, this is like the most boring thing I've ever watched. Nobody's gotten a hit in three innings. Like this sucks. Let's just have a rod roll through. Yeah, exactly. No, I think it would be freaking awesome to do that. But yeah, it just reminded me when I was talking about the booth. But Gary Thorne, like, for just watching him react, well, hearing him react, you could almost hear, like, the sighs coming through the microphone. He's like, <laughs> fly ball. <sighs> right field, it's gone. Like, ah, not again. Stop pitching to him. <laughs> oh, my God. Where did that voice come from? Oh, my word. <laughs> That is my reaction to Gary Thorpe. Oh my God. I thought you were possessed for a second. Shit. <laughs> I was, I was possessed by the ghost of Gary Thorne. He's still alive, but you know, no, his spirit's not. He's here with me all the time. Labor Torres killed his spirit. Honestly, he killed a lot of stuff last year. Bro, honestly, props to Gary Thorne though. You have to really have a lot of energy to put up with the Orioles the last couple of years. Like, to yeah. just do that every day, like, that's, that takes work. Right. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I know. Good for him. I'm really glad. Oh, I was just looking up Gary Thorne on Twitter, and I was like, oh, my God, is this really Gary Thorne? No. Oh, there's a parody account called Drunk Gary Thorne. So, that might be worth a follow. i that one to follow later. <laughs> that might be worth a follow. Apparently, he called a 2005 bowl game on ESPNU. He's got range. Yeah, look at that. He called hockey as well back in 2002. Interesting. I'm learning so much about Gary Thorne. And just think, we would have never known this much about Gary Thorne if Glaber Torres didn't rip out his soul. And stomp on it. Because, mm. I mean, essentially, that's exactly what happened. Oh, absolutely. All right, I got to tell you about something, though. Um so I signed up to be part of a book launch team Oh. for a book. <laughs> Makes sense? Makes sense. It tracks. Um, let me see if I can pull it up because it is a Yankees book. Um, ba -ba 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 -ba. All right. So the book is called 
the culture of excellence. And it's basically about the New York Yankees and the inner workings of what makes them so successful as a franchise. Um, business, lots of business talk. And I'm kind of super excited for it. Like, I'm real excited to read it. I will let you guys know what um, what comes of it. But I'm going to get a chance to read the book and really kind of delve into it. And I'm super pumped. Yeah, that would definitely interest me. I'm reading books now. Uh, and by books, I mean I'm reading Moneyball because mm. Rachel Balkovich, uh suggested it to us like two months ago. And I am on chapter four. <laughs> Ooh, how many chapters are there, James? I have no idea. It's I mean, I'm not even like 10% done with the book. I'm working uh, on it, though. I'm not much of a book reader. You know what? It's fine. I've heard that a lot. Um, I read probably about a book a week now, which is great. That is a lot of books. I could not imagine reading that many books. Well, it's funny because when I was in Florida for vacation, I read a book a day. How do you even... Books are so long. How do you even do that? Well, you got first of all, you got to pick the right ones. You can't pick like dumb ones that you don't want to finish. So you really have to okay. look into reviews and stuff. I'm big into like thrillers and mysteries because it really keeps me reading. I, I switch it up with you know the cash rom com or like the business aspects. Not as much the business, but um, only when it's or, about the Yankees. Yep, correct. Or the young adult fantasy type things. Like I can do those too because they're interesting. But no, this year I read uh, seven books in seven days. It's a lot of books. Can't yeah. even remember like the last seven books that I read. Um, probably in, in high school, but I never actually finished any of those books that I was supposed to read for my English class or whatever. I got the gist of it. I read the middle chapters and then I read the ending and I was like, okay, I know what happened to this book. Understandable. But yeah, you should. Um, oh, man, someone just posted a YouTube video of a compilation of Yankees Glaber Torres leaving Orioles announcer Gary Thorne in disbelief. Oh, that was my favorite. Yes. I was just watching old vines today. I know we've talked about vine on this podcast before, but um, yeah, we love I, vine. I had a friend call yesterday and they were like, TikTok is like really cool. And I'm like, but vine like ahead of its time. Just really. Like you don't understand. You had six seconds. That's all you had. Right. Exactly. To be funny, to make an impression, um, to make some cool sound. Like, so good. So I was watching, like, all of these YouTube compilations, and I was like, I the can best vines all of all time. Right. Exactly. Yeah, I'm going to need you to forward that my way. <laughs> Absolutely. I certainly can. I think my favorite one is um, Vines That Butter Your Croissant. That's a good one. Oh, yeah. <laughs> You mentioned the croissant one last week, too. Yes, I did. Yes, I did. See, Vine is making a comeback. Like Big comeback. I don't think it's really a company anymore, but still, big no, comeback. Um, but honestly, like, if you think about it, you only had six seconds. Now you have up to 60 seconds. Like, Yeah, there's going to be a lot of dead time. Right, exactly. Or a lot of wasted time. Like, sometimes if I notice the video is going to be longer than 30 seconds, I'm like, I'm not going to watch this. I don't have time for this. That's really, really boding well on the length of our podcast, which is at 42 minutes now. So I'm going to be like, this is 42 minutes. I ain't got time for that. <laughs> oh, this is true. But I listen to it on fast forward. Ooh, that's actually really smart. Yeah, at least 1.5, if not two. She can't wait till baseball comes back. We're just going to have things to talk about. And we're going to be like, hey, like, 
look at this last series. Let's look ahead to next series. Let's right. not only talk about labor arguments and then literally nothing for 20 minutes. Right. Well, let me tell you this. Um, in terms of baseball, I've been trying to get through the Minnesota Yankees game. Um, the one with the Aaron Hicks catch, which I think I perfectly quoted on TikTok. Yes, um, absolutely. Oh, man, that that was so funny. I barely had to practice, too. I, was, <laughs> I just knew it. Um, but I've been trying to get through it. And like I was turning on before bed because it's it's easily a six hour game. It's a long game. Yeah. And so I keep watching like a couple innings at a time, a couple innings at a time. And I've basically gotten to the point where Minnesota has extended their lead. I think it's eight two. And I'm like, oh, man, it's over. It's not looking it's good. Over. It's not looking good. It's over. So I got to I got to watch another couple innings tonight. See how far I get. See if we can finally start that comeback. You know, I remember exactly where I was for that game, like minute by minute. I just literally remember I was at the bar. It was after uh, after our Frisbee league. And like I was staying there watching it. And I'm like, oh, this this looks bad. I'm like, but I have this really good feeling. Do you ever get that? Do you ever get the really good feeling where you're like, it looks bad. But I know something great is going to happen. Absolutely. I get that with the Yankees all the time, especially like the 2017 Yankees. It was like like, even when they're losing, you just know that like they're coming back. It's so hard to describe, but like I get this feeling in like the pit of my stomach where I'm like, I can't stop watching this. Like I need to. So it got into the point where it was like eight, four or something. And I was like, okay, I'm going to go home. So I go home, take a shower, sit down and I'm watching it in my bed. And I'm like, well, here we go. This feels good. And then I got nervous. And so I started pacing the apartment because every time I didn't watch, like, I don't know about you, but I turn my back to the TV if I get nervous and I listen. Oh, I get like super up close to the TV. No, I, I turn like, my I back. I put my face right into the screen. I'd be like, let's like, go. Come on. Or I like do something else so I can still hear it, but I can't watch it. Because if I watch it, I'm instantly like jumping at every pitch. I'm like, oh, okay. There was a ball. Oh my God. Got to do this all over again. You know, heart rate speeds up. I just... I, Physically, I don't think I could last another five years if I did that. So d- during Aaron Hicks's home run, I was in the bathroom brushing my teeth and I made sure to keep the bathroom door open so I could like listen. So I'm brushing my teeth and I run in like with all this toothpaste. I'm like, oh my God, he's so bad. I'm like, okay, <laughs> I can't watch the rest of the game. I have to sit backwards. So then I like walked out to get a snack because I got really nervous for uh, the very last inning and I came back in and they're like it's a fly ball and I'm like oh no oh no oh no and then of course you know Ryan Rucco's amazing call and then I started you know jumping up and down and like freaking out and I was like you're welcome for not watching this like yup yeah you're definitely a psychopath (laughs) (laughs) and it took that to confirm no listen this is not news no it's fine we have the same. I have plenty of superstitions as as well. I, lots of them. Listen, superstitions are my thing, in everything. But baseball, it's real bad, really, really. Oh bad. yeah, I have to do everything. It'll even be like like playing beer league softball. Like one time, I forgot my hat. Uh, the game was like half an hour away. I didn't realize I forgot my hat until I got there. I was like, okay, I know I'm not going to get a single hit today. I can hit the ball as hard as I want, but it's going to be right at somebody. It's exactly what happened. It's just. Yeah. 
and I will never forget my hat again, which is why I haven't taken it off except to sleep for two months. I'm not even playing softball, but only bad things happen when I'm not wearing a hat. So, boy, you're right. You're right. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Very superstitious. No, I can tell you that. Did I? I did I tell you about when uh, it was the 2018 postseason? I started wearing all of my shirts, not at once, but like I had six shirts that were deemed lucky. I used the entire season to narrow down my lucky shirt pile. All right, I'm hearing the psychopath. I'm hearing it. <laughs> no, 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 um, it's not psycho. I do the same thing. I'm if I'm if we're on a winning streak and I happen to be wearing a specific sweatshirt, like I will wear that sweatshirt for as long as I need to. Right. That's all it okay. takes. So yeah, and you know, it's it's like a checks and balances system because sometimes you wear it and it's unlucky, but then you have to try it again in like one of those time frames where it's not important. So you're like, okay, let's let's test this out on a non-important game. So I brought six shirts with me to watch game game three, game three, yep, of the uh, ALDS. And I only had to wear one because that was the game they actually did good things. Um, That was against the Red Sox. And then game four, I had to change shirts every inning. I was like, nope, this doesn't feel right. (laughs) Just take it off, put on a new one. So I had to do that. And then the 2017 postseason was bad. Because the first two games against the Indians, I used up all my lucky shirts or the ones I thought were lucky. I'm like, what am I supposed to do? After the wild card game, I ordered the thumbs down shirt from Todd Frazier. It didn't come. It didn't come. And I was like, are you kidding me? Like the Yankees are on the brink of elimination. I'm going to get this shirt. They need me. I know. And I was like, I'm going to get this shirt literally the day after they lose. Like it's just going to happen that way. So I got it the day of game three and I was like, "Mm, I never like to wear shirts for the first time during such a critical point in the season. So I wore it and they won. And I said, Ooh, this might work. So I wore it again and then again, then all through the ALCS. (laughs) If only the ALCS ended a little bit better, but Hey, you can't, the superstition can't overcome cheating. So that's not on you. Listen, that's not my fault. You know, they stack the system. No. I would say my, my buddy Matt is the absolute worst jinx in the world. And the thing is, he jinxes, like, in favor of the Yankees. His jinx work in reverse. So you're going to hate him for this. He does not like Gardner. No, he likes he likes him, but he just is kind of tired of having Brett Gardner around. So <laughs> every time name? we were at the stadium together, Brett Gardner would come up. And he would be like, God, I'm like, I mean, Brett Gardner, like, he's not even supposed to be here anymore. He's just not that good anymore. Brett Gardner goes yard immediately. Tyler Wade, he hates Tyler Wade. We were at actually the game that you and I were both at. Tyler mm-hmm. Wade hit a home run. And right before it, my buddy's going, honestly, like, Tyler Wade is just never going to be that good. He's a quadruple A player. Tyler Wade goes yard immediately. It's the worst jinx in the world. But it works from our favor. So, you know, whatever. Let him hate all the players. I don't even care. Right, exactly. No, I, uh, <laughs> do you ever, like, have someone walk into the room and something bad starts to happen? And you're like, no, get out. You can't be here. You just can't. Because I tell my dad that all the time, and he gets very upset with me. <laughs> no, that's not a thing. I mean, no, 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 it's a thing. It's a thing. <laughs> so my dad has this habit <clears throat> of coming into the, uh, 
coming into the family room when I lived at home or like watched games at home because here's another superstition. I watched the rest of the Indian series at my parents' house because I watched the first two games in my apartment on my new TV. And I was like, no, I got to get rid of the TV. I can't do this. So I had to test it out. Right. So I went to my parents' house. But like my dad will come in the room. I'll be watching the game. You know, sitting there, super comfy, find my seat. Like, you know, I tried one seat that didn't work. I got to go to the other seat and try that. Dad comes in, sits down. He goes, oh, yeah, it's not looking very good. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Get out. Like, I can't. Don't point out the obvious. Don't come in the room as I'm watching and clearly distraught and then be like, "Mm, yeah, I guess it's not looking well. And then I get yelled at because I'm like, excuse me. Please get out of the room. But he'll also come in and sit there and watch. And then all of a sudden, the other team will start scoring runs. And I'm like, so uh, do you really want to stay here? you got something to do in the kitchen. Like, <laughs> You might want to leave. No, that's I mean, that's real. I, the hardest thing about a superstition is when the magic wears off. How do you move on to the next superstition? What stu- superstition do you go to next? Like, you have so to have this. Yeah, you have to have an entire season's worth of like this works after this, but not before this. Like it's it's an order. It's an order. If you're a psychopath like us, you understand that there is an order that these things have to go in. And if they don't go in that order, everything is lost. I got to tell you, one night I ate strawberries and blueberries with whipped cream for dessert. And the Yankees had like an amazing comeback win. So for the next week, I ate strawberries and blueberries with whipped cream for dessert superstitions helping your health yeah fair totally fair mm-hmm. i mean i'd even consider exercising if it meant the yankees went on a winning streak definitely done that too <laughs> <laughs> i ran three miles today i never run three miles mm, i'm gonna run three miles again tomorrow like okay. that i'm gonna be ready for the new york city marathon by the time this winning streak ends <laughs> Yeah, no, superstitions are real, and I'm really thankful that I found someone as psycho as I am about superstitions to really relate to. I know you're probably like, wow, this girl is fucked up. Like, she... This no, is but bad. we're on the same wavelength. I know, like, but I'm the pretty same sure fucked you're up just wavelength. saying that. I'm insecure. <laughs> I'm pretty sure you're just saying that to make me no, feel better. No. You, the superstitious things that I've done in my life would shock you. Hmm... It was even worse when I was like when I was little and I was still playing baseball. It was even worse. Like I would freak out if I didn't have the same breakfast before a game. Like it's, it's over. Welcome to being OCD, James. Like that's it. That's it. <laughs> Trust me. It is I know. <laughs> All right. So we told each other before we started recording that we were going to have a short podcast this week because there wasn't that much baseball to talk about. And we've been talking about literally nothing for 40 minutes. <laughs> so I'm going to tell you this. <clears throat> this was the getting to know you episode. You'll probably never get to know us again. No, yeah, that was us. it. No more personal details. No more personal details. We're not sharing anything else. This was it. That's fair. Also, if you're a psychopath like us, give us five stars. <laughs> do psychopaths do that? I don't know, but we got a five-star rating after last week's podcast, so if we don't get another one this week, we might as well cancel the whole thing. I guess you're right. And then we'll go back to our wallowing in superstitions and lack of baseball-esque and not being able to talk about it. Fair. All right, well, I guess we'll wrap it up there then. Yeah. 
I guess so. I've got nothing left to say, even though I said that about an hour ago. Well, we'll see if we have some more baseball to talk about next week once the uh, the plans get fleshed out. So fingers, fingers crossed, crossed, yes. Absolutely. All right, see you. All right, bye.